Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 142 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials, covering May the 17th to May the 23rd, Doctrine and Covenants sections 51 to 57, A Faithful, A Just and A Wise Stewards. Steward. And today we're going into Doctrine and Covenants section 52. Now this uh, section is pretty um, it's pretty important in the history of the church. I mean, many of these sections are, to be fair. But this is the one which um, indicates to the, the gathered individuals that um, the, the New Jerusalem, or the, the centre of Zion, at this stage would be built in Missouri. Now, I was under the impression, before studying Come Follow Me this year, that, you know, you had the Kirtland, Ohio gathering where the temple was built, and then a few years later... They moved on to Missouri, uh, far west and all that area. And there was, you know, issues and problems there. And then eventually a few years after that, they moved on to Nauvoo and so on. Uh, And then after the trouble in Nauvoo and the martyrdom of Joseph Smith, they moved on to um, the Salt Lake Valley. Now, it turns out that Missouri was actually kind of the site that was given by the Lord initially uh, quite early on. Um, You know, only a few months after they'd arrived in Kirtland, Ohio, um, in June 1831, a conference was given for the elders of the church, and this revelation was given on the 6th of June um, 1831 about how they would need to go there and gather there. Now, uh, in Revelations in Context, it gives a bit of a background for this. Uh, I really like it. It says, quote, Across the long span of Western history, Christians of all kinds have longed for a new heaven and a new earth. John the Revelator's breathtaking vision of the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming from, down from God from out of heaven, preparing the way for the return of Jesus Christ as Lord and King, has stirred the hopes and aspirations of many. What was the New Jerusalem? Was it, as St. Saint Augustine contended, a metaphor for the blessed immortality and eternity of the saints? Or was it something more literal, as the 17th century American Puritans believed when they imagined their colony as a source of religious regeneration, a New England? The restored Church of Jesus Christ was still in its infancy, not yet six months old, when Latter-day Saints began to envision the New Jerusalem in their own way. Close quote. So this New Jerusalem, this gathering place, uh, was something which a lot of the saints had on their minds. And of course, you know, they had been moving from their homes to one place already. And so, of course, they would be naturally wondering where, where this New Jerusalem, New Jerusalem or Zion was going to be. Um, it says, uh, quote, In a revelation now known as Doctrine and Covenants 52, given in June 1831, the Lord commanded Joseph Smith to travel to Missouri, the land which I will consecrate unto my people. There the site for the city of Zion would be made known. Close quote. Um, so there was a revelation given to Joseph Smith at this conference that it, w- it would be Missouri. Uh, and of course, uh, there was plenty of time until that would take place where they would all gather there. Um, they had just been told by the Lord to settle into a, to, into the Ohio uh, as as in as if for years. And so, you know, there, there is no push to move at this stage, but they are preparing um, by sending the elders of the church to go and preach in that area. Um, and as they go and preach, it says in verse nine of Doctrine and Covenants, section 52, let them journey from thence, preaching the word by the way, saying none other things than that which the prophets and apostles have written, 
and that which is taught them by the Comforter through the prayer of faith. Um, Jean R. Cook explains this further and says, quote, The teacher of righteousness will teach from the Holy Scriptures and will teach that which is taught and confirmed by the Holy Ghost. He will not teach for doctrines the commandments of men. He will not mingle the history and opinions of men with the script with scriptures, nor spend religious instruction time teaching speculation or the philosophies of the world, thereby giving Satan's views exposure. Close quote. Now, what I think that uh, Brother Cook is saying is not saying there is that we cannot use inspired words words of others. I mean, for example, in General Conference, we have many examples where apostles and prophets have shared poems or quotes from. Um, literary figures and authors from the past uh, C.S. Lewis being one of them that I can think of but there's been many others as well uh, but what the, it is saying is that the doctrines that are taught the principles that are taught must be given to them by the Spirit and must be you know the doctrines of Christ so that's an important thing to learn from this as well as how when the Lord sent these elders um, he gave them the a plan or a way that they could avoid being deceived by uh, by Satan in, in his work. So in verse 14 it says, And again I will give unto you a pattern in all things, that you may not be deceived. For Satan is abroad in the land, and he goeth forth deceiving the nations. Wherefore he that prayeth, whose spirit is contrite, the same is accepted of me, if ye obey mine ordinances. So in order to avoid deception in order to have the holy ghost in our hearts to avoid this deception we need to pray and be be have real intent to be honest in our desires uh, to want to follow and listen to the lord's spirit once we do this um, as it says here um, and as we obey the ordinances of the of the lord keeping our covenants then we will be able to avoid deception um, which surely comes in today's world um William R. Bradford said this, quote, Righteousness is the better way. Finally, it is the only way. In righteousness is the power to provide the joy and happiness and the safety and security that men and women have longed for and searched for through all generations of time. It seems like such a simple solution, but the reality is that Satan is abroad in the land. There is opposition. Right and wrong do exist. Our actions do have moral consequences. There is no right way to do a wrong thing, close quote. Really important words there, I think, and a timely reminder to all of us to make sure that we are seeking to, to make the right choices uh, in a world where the right is becoming more harder, harder and harder to come by. Um, what happens then is uh, from verse 21, um, after some further commandments, the Lord basically gives the mission calls or the uh, you can imagine at this conference, all of them sat there just waiting to hear who, they, who they're going to be paired up with, who their companion is. It reminds me of um, kind of the transfer meetings we used to have on my mission where all the elders and sisters who were moving uh, areas or training would kind of be sat in the chapel waiting to hear, um, you know, who would be training whom uh, of these new missionaries. Uh, and you kind of sat there waiting for these names to be called. These individuals were being called to take their journeys uh, and serve and teach. Uh, for example, you have Thomas B. Marsh and Ezra Fair taking their journey, Isaac Morley and Ezra Booth taking their journey, preaching the word, uh, Edward Partridge, Martin Harris going with Sidney Rigdon and Joseph Smith Jr. Um, you know, just looking at these pairings is interesting in itself. 
But then once all the pairings have been announced, um, it says this uh, about what they need to do as they go along the way to remember all in all things, the poor and the needy, the sick and the afflicted. For he that doeth not these things, the same is not my disciple. So, of course, they need to go and teach the gospel. But they're being reminded of their duty as disciples of Christ uh, to make sure that they are looking out for those who are in need. Um, obviously, in verse 39, it is referring to the residue of the elders um, specifically. And that is, is something which they are reminded to do, is to, is to look after and care for those in need. Uh, Elder Dieter Fulkdorf said this, quote, Sometimes we see welfare as simply another gospel topic, one of the many branches on the gospel tree. But I believe that in the Lord's plan, our commitment to welfare principles should be at the very root of our faith and devotion to him. Since the very beginning of time, our Heavenly Father has spoken with great clarity on this subject from the gentle plea, If thou lovest me, thou wilt remember the poor and consecrate thy, my, thy properties for their support. Close quote. Um, we must remember this is an important principle. And as they were planning, and as they planned to go forward, in verse 42, as it says, to assemble together to rejoice in the land of Missouri, um, as that was their land of inheritance, um, they would support each other and bless each other and help each other to make that destination along the way. Um, that is Zion, that is unity. And I guess for us today, how can we look out for those who may need that support, that push uh, to be able to reach that reach Zion? Obviously, for us, Zion is not necessarily such a physical place anymore, but rather a, a state of unity, a state of fellowship with the saints and strength in the stakes in which we are dotted around the earth in. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please continue to follow the podcast in all the usual places and until we meet again.